2: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW avoid. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. And this time last week, City were nailed on champions. After a slip up on the South Coast at the weekend, the title race is suddenly wide open again. Pep hints that he might want to stay beyond 2023. And we look forward to the transfer deadline day as well. So to help me discuss that and much more, I've got three guests. Welcome to Lisa Rubinovitz. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Nigel. Welcome to Rob Barron, CTID. Hi, Rob. Hello, Nigel. And welcome to A View from a Blue, Stephen Allwise. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Nigel. Good to be here. Uh, Stephen, kick us off, will you? Uh, Credit to Southampton or a bad day at the Office for City?
0: Southampton are one of those teams that I don't want to say cause us problems, but have made it very, very difficult for us over the years to break them down. I think Kyle Walker said it before the game as well, but it's Southampton and Liverpool are the two teams that we have had difficulty against. They're they're nothing special, but they're very well organised, well drilled, quite compact at the back, and they're tough to break down. I don't think we were bad. I thought we were okay, Um, but we just didn't really have that spark about us. So fair play to Southampton. It's not a one-off. We know they've caused us issues before, um, but I think the break will now do us good. Players can get away for a few days, just clear their heads, mentally, physically recover. Um, but it's it's certainly not a crisis at all.
3: Yeah, I don't think I've mentioned a crisis, but is Stephen being a bit generous, Lisa, do you think? I think it was a bit more of an off day than he's suggesting, wasn't it?
4: Um, I think certainly in the first half, we didn't look fantastic. Um, it as often is the case with City when we have a bad day it's all of them having a bad day just didn't seem nothing seemed to be going quite right I mean Walker just firing balls in aimlessly into the box and various other things not working wonderfully Sterling missing a chance he should have buried um but the second half was much improved so I think on to be honest with you and I said this to my dad after the match in the first half i if they'd, you'd have given me a point, I'd have been absolutely delighted. But after the second half, I actually think if we'd have won it, it wouldn't have been undeserved. I think Southampton probably would have been very disappointed, but I don't think it would have been undeserved. So, therefore, on balance, it wasn't horrendous.
3: Rob, you're always very generous when when teams uh, set up properly and, and do a good job. Would you would you give Southampton some credit?
1: I'd give them a little bit of credit, but not near, not as much as the the psycho fans in the media have given them. I mean, Stephen is right that they were well-drilled, but they were also dirty. One of the dirtiest teams we played against this season. They wasted time. And they're not a good advert for United Kingdom football, in my view. Bednarek, uh, disgracefully fouled players. Armstrong should have been sent off. Romeo was just uh, out to... To get Grealish. This wasn't an impressive display by Southampton. And in the circumstances, I th- I think City did not overreact and they did well to get a point. And if there'd been better refereeing, they would have had three points.
3: And what about City then, Rob? Um, you've you've criticized Southampton and the referee, which is what you tend to do when you come on my show, which is which is standard. So I expect that from you. Uh what what about City then? Any 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 criticisms of them? Or was it just referees in Southampton you're here to criticize this week?
1: Nigel, you asked me on the show. That's why I come on it. So, you know, hopefully uh, what I say is useful enough. I thought City played quite well. I'm fed up with people criticising Grealish. I think Grealish is getting better and better. And I thought he played very well uh, uh, against Southampton. I thought uh, Foden played well. I was disappointed with Rodri, who didn't have a good game. And I don't really understand why Gundogan isn't playing, because I think he gives us something that none of the players playing are able to give us at the moment. So all in all, I think it was uh, a lot better than it could have been. And uh, they were a bit unlucky. Having said that, my grandmother would have scored the goal that Sterling missed. And that is disappointing.
3: Let's just pick up on some of what Rob said then, Stephen, would you? Um, do, you do you want to kick off with, uh, with Gundogan's um, absence? Who, who, would
0: you, who would you drop to bring him in if indeed you think it's right? Well, that, that's the question. You can't play them all. Um, and if you look at the midfield places, Bernardo has to play. He's probably been our player of the season. You're not going to leave De Bruyne around when he's finding his form, scored the winner in the last game against Chelsea. You can argue one of those two could play further forward and, and Gundogan's in midfield, but Sterling's been very good the last month. Foden's probably the first name on the sheet of the front three. As Rob said, Grealish is getting better. You can't play them all. I don't see that as being the main issue. It's one of those games, and, and Pep has said this before, as soon as we miss chances or as soon as we don't win a game, people will start going on about, well, if you had a striker, you'd win. And, and you can see that Lisa called out Sterling's miss, of course. You know, he should have scored. And of course, if that was Kane or Harland or Lewandowski, they would have scored. But we've gone on this 13, 12 or 13 match winning run without a striker. So it's a bit simplistic to call that out. I, I, think, I think we played okay. I don't think you'd say anyone was an 8 out of 10. And, but I actually think we played better against Southampton than we did against Arsenal. But we, you know, kept pushing until the end. Rodri got the last minute winner. So I wouldn't worry. I think Jesus made a good impact when he came off the bench. But you know, he's one of those players. When he starts, you think he should be on the bench. And then when he's on the bench, he actually, you know, had an impact when he came off it. So I, I, I don't necessarily share too much negativity about our performance. We've We've been very good for the last two months. This was maybe one game too far. We looked a bit leggy. But as I said in the first question, fair play to Southampton for for being as difficult to break down as they were. Uh, Lisa,
3: we'll, we maybe come on to VAR and refereeing in a second to come back to, to Rob's points. But but before we do that, your your thoughts on Gundogan? Do you think he's a miss? And as I said to Stephen, if so, who who'd you drop to, to get him in the side?
4: I- I think that's the diff- very difficult part of the question. I think, you know, when he plays, he's great. So I can't see why we wouldn't want him in the team. But equally, at the moment, I'm not sure who you would take out. I, it, it's This is um, the difficult part of Pep's job, but it's we're very lucky. I don't know. Maybe he's just not, maybe he had another bout of COVID and he's not 100%. And he'll come back after the break and he'll play more frequently. I don't know. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes either i know he's on the bench therefore in theory he can play a full match but i'm sure pep's got his reasons maybe he just wants him to recharge his batteries so he's available fully available fully fit for the for the rest of the season for when the champions league starts back up there could be many many reasons it's not like we've been doing terribly without him and i don't know that it would have made any difference to the outcome um at the weekend.
3: Uh, <clears throat> Rob you may have uh, some thoughts on, on who you would drop to bring Gundogan in and maybe you could touch on that and, and then maybe move forward on to uh, seriously for a moment onto VAR clearly came in for a lot of criticism uh, a glancing blow I think it was described by the commentators and Laporte of course shared his thigh pictures on on Instagram and, and Twitter etc so we've seen the, the, the sort of The result of that glancing blow um VAR has been brought in for a reason I think Liverpool had a a penalty that lots of people have said probably shouldn't have been and it's back in the headlines again but just give us briefly your thoughts on who gets dropped for Gundogan and then maybe move on to VAR and refereeing for us
1: I, I do understand that Pep has created a magnificent problem which is who to leave out given you've got so many good players uh, I also think that he could use substitutes more than he currently does, uh, because I don't see why uh, Bernardo has to play the whole game, given how hard he works. Uh, so you, you you could address it that way. And I also think that um, Gundogan is capable of playing further forward, and I don't think Sterling deserved to 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 stay on all game, so as as he didn't. So uh, you know, I'm I'm just pointing out that. To me, Gunduan is a bit of a wasted asset at the moment. On the VAR question, and I always defer to your experience as a referee, Nigel, you couldn't make it up. And, you know, it is pathetic the way uh, the people who run VAR continually make mistakes in a way which is embarrassing to the integrity of Premier League football. That Liverpool award of a penalty left a sour note in every fair-minded person's mind because it simply wasn't a penalty. And uh, the way that Laporte was assaulted and uh, the player who assaulted him, I think it was Armstrong, was allowed to get away with it, was disgraceful. And I think that probably on what I saw, there was a good case for De Bruyne having... Uh, a penalty because if he was brought down and he was brought down, he had his foot on the line and therefore he was in the area. So I'm not impressed with the quality of the people who run the VAR, and I think they need to get their act together. What's well, what's the answer,
3: Stephen? Because we we keep coming back to this, don't we? And it's a problem that's not going to go away. And, and Rob quite rightly points to the Liverpool penalty, which. Everybody I've spoken to, everything I've seen on 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 Twitter and social media, unless you're a die-hard Liverpool fan, would all of them say that just was not a penalty. It
0: it wasn't. I'm not as anti VAR as as most people. I think just quickly on the De Bruyne one for City, I think the fact that we watched 20 replays of it and. I don't think any of us could say categorically that was inside the box or it was 100% on the line and therefore a penalty. There was doubt. So you're, you're going to have those decisions where it's it's subjective. It's not like the ball crosses the line and it's a goal because the refs watch pings because it's binary. It's either across the line or it isn't. They're easy. Every other decision is subjective. And we've got quite lucky, I think, with some decisions this season. Was it Wolves when we got a penalty in in the second half, a handball that I looked at five times and didn't think was a penalty at all but the refs have given it. Arsenal we know we got um, a couple of decisions not necessarily go our way because again they were quite tight. the Laporte one, if I'm being really honest, I think was an orange. I don't know if it was quite a red it was worse than a yellow but you know, the rules are in place that if you have not given the red, you can't then give the yellow. The Liverpool, why agree, it was not a penalty. But you have to remember at the end of the day, people blame VAR. It's the system that's at fault. It's just dribble. They are referees. And it's somebody watching the same footage we watch. It's not a system. It's I think there's absolutely a valid complaint to be made about the standard of refereeing in this country. I don't think there are many good refs at all Michael Oliver I think, think's good beyond him I'm not sure any are brilliant but it it's unless you want absolutely every decision re-refereed which nobody wants because we already moan about how long every decision makes every decision takes sorry you're going to have to accept that there'll be decisions which are subjective so I think personally the next step is being able to listen to that conversation that like you do in in I'm a big cricket fan so you can hear what the umpires are saying to each other yeah. in rugby I think you can hear that conversation football I think it would help hugely if you could hear that even if you still disagreed with the end decision to listen to the process behind it would help because at the minute we're in the dark but I, I just don't want to be so anti-refs anti-VAR because it's subjective and, and you're always going to get that, that level of uncertainty
3: You agree with that conversation being heard, Lisa? Is that at least a step forward so we can at least understand the the reasons for these decisions, as Stephen said, whether we agree with it or not? At least we understand why they've come up with that.
4: Yeah, I think that would help. um, Because at at the moment, also it feels like it's taking a lot longer than it is because, I mean, obviously it does take a bit of time, but it feels even longer because it's just silence if you're in the ground, and if you're listening on TV, it's just commentators waffling about nonsense. And it, it just feels like it's taking forever, and I think if you were listening to it, you would at least understand the thought process that's going on behind it. I still think there is an issue with... I understand what Stephen's saying about the De Bruyne incident. It, it, wasn't a cli- it wasn't a clear and obvious error, and I don't know whether that... Um, and I'm going to plead ignorance here because I'm very confused by when clear and obvious error applies and when it doesn't. But if that was the case, then that should be the decision that goes up on the screen. No clear and obvious error. To me, that would be a better explanation than, oh, we decided it wasn't in, inside the box because that was the decision that was given. It wasn't there wasn't a foul. It was it was wasn't in the box. Well, it was on the line, so Anyway, my point being, if you've had to watch it 50 times, it clearly isn't easy, and if that's a decision that isn't a clear and obvious error, then just put that as a reason, because that's the thing that everyone talks about anyway, and I think that I would have found that more acceptable than what came up. Now, someone else might not have found it acceptable, and therein lies the other problem, because, as Stephen very rightly pointed out, it's subjective. And I'm not... I have been quite... um, I've been the same across the board... Whether it's City or not, there's been plenty of decisions that we've got that I don't think... I wouldn't I wouldn't have complained if we hadn't. And I, I just think that there are... I think it's very easy to just jump on the ones that seem to not help us or go against us, but I think it is flawed overall. I don't know what the answer is. Probably the answer was never using it in the first place, but we've gone past that. So I, I think they do need to try and make it better. They should start by... Um, letting us hear what they're saying but I think for me the thing that was most irritating about what happened at the weekend was not only did neither of the decisions go away so to speak but it completely took the momentum away from us I there's no saying what would have happened but it really I felt took the heat out of it for Southampton and w- we had been on top for quite a long time and I, I who knows we may have gone on to score another one but I think it really did us no favors in that respect either. So not only did we not get a penalty, and we didn't, and they didn't get some sent off, but we also just lost all momentum in that. Uh,
3: Rob, can I just move on to the sort of the league title and what and what a difference a week makes? Um, a, a lot of people were saying it was City's title, and suddenly, just with Liverpool winning and City drawing, there seems to be a totally different mood. Uh, what's your take on on the the league title discussions that are going on at the moment?
1: Uh, I agree with what's been said. We we, we, it doesn't make any difference last week compared to this week. We're still in a fight. We have to take each game as it comes. We have to try and beat Liverpool, United and Tottenham. Those are big games. It's not over yet by a long way. And, but I think City are probably the best team. And it's encouraging to see the frailty of Liverpool as a defensive unit. So it's very encouraging, but it's not over. Uh, your thoughts Stephen then in terms of that last week versus this week yes it's
0: it's amazing how (laughs) the potential of six points doesn't sound a lot given it would have been 12 or 13 a few days ago but at the same time if you'd have said to Pep and the fans at the start of the season by the end of January you'll be six points clear of Liverpool I think we'd have all taken it um but equally, I, I don't think fans were saying it was over. I think it was the media who was drumming up this almost City are uh, too good that it's boring to watch them. They're too good. No one can get any points off them. So I don't think fans have been suggesting that. Um, Liverpool are going to push us. They've pushed us for a few years now. Um, they've been fortunate in the games they've played with Salah and Mane away. They've not had any really difficult fixtures. Um and you know we're going to have to continue being very good uh, to maintain our lead at the top. I
3: think I know where you come from, Lisa, because you've said it over the years that, uh, as, as Rob has said, until the fat lady sings, that's uh, it's not going to be a done deal. But but things the, the mood does seem to have changed significantly. As Stephen says, that that points difference does make a difference, doesn't it, mentally? I
2: mean, of
4: course it does, but the 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 mood is completely. Drummed up by the press, it really irritates me because we, we're, we're accused of be of making it boring because you know no one can beat us and, and oh you know city so are going to win and that's it it's all over and and then and then we're accused of well you said you were going to win it no we didn't you did leave us alone I certainly didn't um, you know me um, <laughs> I won't believe it till it's actually mathematically impossible and I don't. We've still got to play Liverpool. I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was when we'd played both Liverpool and Chelsea once. And at that point, I felt Chelsea was still in it. And I just said, we're going to have to beat them probably both again to win the league. And I'm not sure that that's completely wrong. Um, Liverpool, we probably just don't best when we play them not to lose. And we, we're just going to have to keep up the level we've been playing at. And as Stephen said, they push us, we push them. Um, and I think I kind of, should, I'm a bit irritated um, by myself in that I have got a bit over-involved in this kind of ridiculousness and got terribly upset when Liverpool um, looked like they're coming to get us. I mean, obviously, I don't want them to, to beat us. Obviously, I want us to win the league. But at the end of the day, whichever of those two teams, and it probably will be one of those two, wins the league, will deserve it. Um, and they are the best two teams in the league. So... I think um, I'm obviously getting old. I'm just trying to calm myself down a little bit and just um, be grateful for what I'm seeing as a, as a fan. And I don't want... I think sometimes it gets um, overtaken by all this media nonsense. Um, but you can see why they do it.
3: Let's talk about pet then, Lisa because uh, there's been a little bit of uh, conversation and a bit of a chink there that he might well be thinking about extending his his stay to past 2023. Is that how you read it? How excited are you if that's going to happen?
4: I, I want him to stay forever. Um, I hope they're working on a cloning process. Um, some people would have you believe we are. <laughs> um, I. I... You know, I mean, you can read anything into anything these days. I'm sure other people will think it's, it's that he's going to leave. But obviously, I don't want him to leave because I think he's a genius. And I think we all need to prepare ourselves for what he does leave because I don't think it's going to be an easy transition. Um, but as, lo- as long as he wants to stay, then let him stay. I'm happy with that. And I think it's what's interesting to me is they must have an idea as to what's going on with him, like a, a proper idea as to whether he's going to stay longer or not, because it's, it's got to have an impact on um, bringing players in. So th- there's two parts to it. Maybe it's that or maybe they know exactly who the successor is going to be. I sincerely hope they're planning for it. But um, obviously, I just want Pep to stay until he's had enough. Because I think once he's had enough, then that won't be good for us either. But as long as he's happy then I'm delighted for him to be, this, be our
3: manager. And how did you read it, Stephen? Did you read it that there's, as, as Lisa Wright says, it could be there's a plan already that, that we're ready to announce, or did you read
0: it as Pet was actually thinking of maybe staying beyond 2023? Well, my, my gut would be they will always publicly announce he's going to stay longer than he will, because I don't think they want to get into a position where he says, right, I've got another two years and after that I leave because in the last year, and I think it happened with Ferguson a couple of times, that the players will just not switch off because Pep won't allow that. But subconsciously, I think you see that drop. Um, We did it with Pellegrini. I think we said, you know, he's got the extra year and then halfway through the season announced he's leaving, but the players couldn't, you know, get away from things because they knew Pep was coming in. Here, I... Part of me thinks he'll stay until we win the Champions League because he won't want that, in inverted commas, black mark on his CV that he hasn't won it. You also, you know, maybe think if we get Haaland and he's got, you know, 10 years ahead of him, Pep's not going to go to all that effort to bring him in and then leave when we finally got a striker and, you know, he wants to manage Foden, Grealish and see all of our young players thrive. But we don't really know, do we? But I think Lisa was bang on. It's going to be a tricky transition when he leaves, and we want him to stay for as long as he's got the energy to to keep giving.
3: You're right. We've absolutely no idea. I was asking kind of what your what your gut feel is to to what you've heard him say, and uh, uh, Rob, do you do you have a view
1: on this? I do. I think it's very encouraging uh, that he said what he said. He's a very honest man, and I think the vibes are good. I I think he doesn't know, and he doesn't quite trust himself to last. Uh, the course over a long period of time. So it's very encouraging that, that he, he's reflecting on whether or not he should stay. I mean, let's be clear, and I agree with um, uh, Stephen and, and, and everyone, really, that this is heaven. Anything that comes after Pep is going to be a letdown. And so we should just love it. He doesn't owe us anything. He's been here a long time. He's been brilliantly successful. He needs to win the Champions League, but let's keep it going and see what happens. And, and then we'll mourn afterwards. There'll be plenty of time for that.
3: And what about transfer deadline day then, finally? Then let's just sort of touch on that as well. We're coming to the end of January. Um, there's talk of uh, a young Argentinian uh, that's a feeling of déjà vu there. Um, who might well have already been signed, and is he going to stay where he is, or be loaned out? Uh, Rob, what's your what's your understanding and your hopes and fears for, as transfer deadline day looms?
1: Well, I'm very excited at the prospect of Julian Alvarez coming to City. I think that's a very imaginative uh, undertaking, and it shows that the football side the acquisition side is thinking very creatively so uh i'm excited by that uh i think they they i, I would like them still to have a go at harland i i know that people say he wants to go to real madrid but i think he, he would come and play for pep if he had a, a choice to do that so i think we're in a pretty good position and uh i'm not upset by what i'm hearing
3: Lisa, are you excited about a young Argentinian joining Manchester City? Or yeah, potentially, or should I say potentially <laughs> joining Manchester City, I should say. You choose your words carefully here.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know a huge amount about him. He sounds like a very good prospect and, and why not? And I, I'm i not entirely surprised by these kind of things because it's not the first time we've gone for a player that no one's really been talking about. Um, and I still wouldn't be surprised if Haaland is not something that happens. Um, but I trust them. They've pretty much done the right thing with uh, with everyone they've brought in. Um, I just hope that whoever it is comes in and maybe doesn't settle straight away, doesn't get uh, a hard time, and people accept that it takes a bit to get used to the way Pep plays. And certainly, there's obviously a danger of a young Argentinian coming in and everyone really not understanding that he literally isn't Sergio Aguero. Um, but um, look we're fine now I don't I, I don't see January is never a great time I don't think he, even if we sign him he's going to come straight to play for us um so it's very we've had a couple of decent signings in January but it's unusual to to get what you want for the right kind of price and I don't think we're exactly in a desperate situation so I'm happy with what they're doing
3: Stephen how does this of uh, the Al- Alvarez versus Haaland play out in your mind what do you think is going to happen
0: and i be really honest, until about 48 hours ago, I'd never heard of Alvarez. So, you know, I'm not going to be one of these fans going, pretending that I've watched River Plate for the last seven years and seen every minute of his every performance. I've never heard of him. Um, if our scouts and the network of clubs within CFG think that he's a good option for us or needs another year out on loan, you have to trust that. We won't do anything in January, the only of so the area of the squad I would have thought if they can get a short-term option is probably at left-back because you've got three full-backs in Cancelo, Walker and Zinchenko. Ake or Laporte can maybe play at left-back for a game or two. That would be the only area of the squad where I don't think we have depth. Otherwise, we're not doing anything until the summer.
3: Rob, where, where else do you see us potentially doing business in, in the window? Do you think uh, Stephen's right? Is left back it? Do you see any other possible places they might be looking?
1: Yeah, I I agree with Stephen. Although uh, I've never seen River Plate play, so I'm I, I I agree with him. We shouldn't get too excited about that. Um, but the the other side of this is not to allow our excellent. Uh, stars in the future to go to places that they're not going to thrive in. So, um, you know, there are three or four players that could go out on loan. I know that Doyle has gone to to Cardiff City. That doesn't seem to be uh, a bad move. But if they're good enough, they should be protected and they should stay with the first-team squad. And I think that's very important. I also agree that uh, getting an extra fullback uh, is, is not a bad idea. And that is a, a potential weakness. Although Zinchenko is good and I like him and he probably doesn't play enough.
3: Lisa, finally, any other gaps? Any other thoughts before the window closes?
4: No, you know, I mean, I'm surprised. That I've surprised myself by not saying left back before. Um, it's my it's my uh, annual comment. Um, yes, I suppose we could do with some strengthening that. In fact, I don't know where Zinchenko been for the past few matches, but... Um, Look, again, the likelihood, unless they know of someone available um, who will would be very decent as a backup, I, I can't see that happening either. And I think where the young players are concerned, they keep the ones they think are good enough. So it's interesting, the ones that go out on loan. I I, I don't know. Most of them, nothing really happens. They never come back. So it, it's always quite an interesting thing to see when they do send some of them out.
3: Well, we'll soon know. Huge thanks to my three guests, to Rob and CTID, to Lisa Rabinovitz, and to Stephen Allwise. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this show, contact us at playbackmedia.co.uk.
4: Sports Social Podcast Network.